Um, so we just going to go out there and play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. And how many games? Six. We're going to win in six. Welcome back to the Bucks and Six podcast. I am your host, Michael Correo, also known as Bucks House on Instagram. Your number one source for all things Milwaukee Bucks, coming to you live from the podcasting world every Wednesday and every Saturday night. It's been a long, difficult week processing what happened last Sunday, and it's just crazy the emotional high we felt on Wednesday's Game 5, where we won, we came back in that game, and then a few days our season quickly ended. I hinted that the series wasn't over after Game 5, and there was a lot of work to be done, and it just looked like Boston had more legs in the end, they had more players step up, and they got two huge wins in Game 6 and Game 7, and now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So first off, I know we kind of catch them in the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals right now, but to any Celtic fan listening, congrats on the win. They definitely deserve to get there. They played better than us for four or five out of seven games. I know injuries are a thing, but you can't really control that. All you can play is the team in front of you. And ever since the turn of the calendar year, they've been one of the best teams in the NBA. With that being said, I think the most frustrating or disappointing part of the series was not having the chance for the big three to try and defend their title. They were so good last year, and of course the talk of all season was our dominance with the big three playing. We're 37-10, and and that's over a 64-win pace for a full season. What the series did show, though, was the importance of Chris Middleton and how he greatly affects our offense. There have been a lot of Chris Middleton doubters in the past, A lot of people wanted him traded over the past few years, and I've seen a lot of people even today going crazy with the trade machine after the loss, which to me just doesn't make sense with how bad we looked offensively and it looked like we needed him. Of course, you have to give credit to Boston's defense, which had been the best for a while now, but there were a lot of possessions where the Bucs just looked lost and they didn't know what to do without Middleton. As far as running the offense, Chris is really good in the pick and roll, especially with Giannis as the screener. He's a smart passer. He has a great feel for those types of situations. And on top of that, the Bucks struggled to shoot the ball for the entirety of the series, just 28% as a team through seven games. And Middleton certainly could have taken the pressure off some of the guys in that way. He played a few series against Boston in his career, averaging 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists in 12 games. And most importantly, he hit 54% of his 6 three-point attempts per game over that stretch. He certainly could have knocked down clutch shots, as we've seen time and time again, and he definitely could have alleviated some of that pressure that was on the rest of the guys throughout the playoffs. What helped us get through the Chicago series without Chris was guys like Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, and Pat Connaughton stepping up in those final three games to move on to round two. In the series versus Boston, Giannis didn't have that luxury of having other reliable teammates showing up and showing out when it mattered most. Giannis did his part. Of course, he struggled to shoot the ball at times, but he averaged 34, 15, and 7 against one of the most physical defenses in the league. He had a potential legendary closeout game where he had 44 points, 20 rebounds, and 6 assists, but his supporting cast just wasn't able to provide enough help. Boston had four other guys other than Jason Tatum in the series score over 20 points. Jalen Brown had four, Grant Williams had two, Al Horford had two, and then Marcus Smart had one, whereas other than Giannis, Drew was the only other buck with a 20-point game. He had four of them, but they were all super inefficient, and while he did have some great 
clutch moments. 21 points on 21 shots from your second best player isn't really going to cut it in most situations. And of course, not having a single player outside of those two score over 17 points in a game is very tough to overcome. That's where I think Chris Middleton would help greatly, as a lot of guys had to take increased roles. And in a physical seven game series, a 20 point per game all star as a clear second option would certainly help that offense that struggled so much throughout the entirety of the series. I think a lot of people in the season debated whether Drew or Chris was the better second option this year, but I feel like Drew Holiday is so used to being the third man and that pressure that is created from Chris being off the court for the whole series and Boston, of course, being physical was a lot for him to take on. With that being said, I do appreciate and respect Giannis and the team for even making this a seven-game series. Boston shot 10% better than Milwaukee from three. Of course, they had a lot of guys stepping up where Milwaukee didn't, and we were able to fight and make this thing interesting. Kane Pittman of the Lockdown Podcast made note that fans were skeptical of Milwaukee's championship odds if Brooke Lopez wasn't able to return this season, so expecting Milwaukee to beat this red-hot Celtic team without Chris Middleton was asking a lot. The Bucks will have an interesting offseason ahead of them. I mentioned how people are going crazy with the trade machine, but I don't think we should break the big three up just quite yet. I think the biggest name we could move away from is Brooke Lopez. He's got one year left on his deal, and trading him while he still has value might be the smart option, especially if we can get a solid return for him. The drop scheme, statistically speaking, has had great success over the years we've used it, but we've also seen the downsides and the benefits of going small late in games to close things out switching everything like we did in the fourth quarter of game five or late in games in last year's finals run. So maybe if we get the perfect deal for Lopez while he still has value, we'll move towards something like that. We could pair him with the 24th pick in this year's draft, but we haven't kept a first round pick since we drafted Dante in 2018. And we could benefit from getting a good young player. I know off the very minimal research I've done, I like EJ Liddell from Ohio State. We've got a handful of guys with the possibility of being free agents. John Horst handed out a lot of player options. So you figure guys like Pat Connaughton or Bobby Portis will decline their player options and sign bigger deals in Milwaukee or elsewhere. I think the most money we can offer annually for each of them is around 9 to 11 per year. Pat was talking about it like he wants to be back and that's the expectation, but in Bobby's latest Instagram post, it kind of seemed like a farewell post to Milwaukee. Uh, that's just minimal speculation on my part. I don't want to scare anyone, but you never know. Chris could decline his player option and resign for something around $50 million annually, I believe. So while I don't think a blockbuster trade is imminent for Milwaukee, I do think we see a busy offseason for John Horst and the Bucks management. I will say I think the Bucks will benefit from a longer offseason. Of course, our season ended in late July and camp started around two months later last year. And of course, Drew and Chris went to Tokyo for the Olympics. So I think this break will be beneficial for Milwaukee and hopefully we can have a better season next year. That will do it for tonight's podcast. Thank you for listening in all season long. I'll be back on Wednesday with some offseason content.